Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chris Evans here. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky. Coming up, Brian May tells us about his role in the brand new feel-good song Get Up by rock band King's Daughters. Tom Fletcher discusses his new book, The Evolution, which he wrote with his wife Giovanna. Health Secretary Matt Hancock chats the ongoing UK lockdown and what it's like behind the scenes of 10 Downing Street during a crisis unlike our world has ever seen before. Plus, Prue Leith, Angela Scanlon and more. But Dapper Dave, who's our first guest? Well, fresh from rocking out with Matt Lucas and his baked potato, he's teamed up with the band King's Daughters on their new song, Get Up, in collaboration with the mental health charity Mind. Please welcome a man that knows a thing or two about writing a hit. It's the one and only Brian May. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Chris. Nice to hear you. I love your sweet potato <laughs> song. That is so sweet. That's amazing. So you are no. from Queen uh, and you now are talking about King's Daughters. So tell us about uh, what's going on here. They're amazing. Yeah, I, the lead singer I've known for some years now, all the way through, she was on X Factor and did very well, though she kind of got bullied by the public, I think, you know, but she's an amazing, feisty girl with an incredible voice. And she sent me this song, the beginnings of the song, the draft, you know, the first draft of Get Up, and I just loved it. Because I'm a bit of a miserable old beggar, as you know. I'm not really an up person. You know? I haven't been known for my up songs. I, this just grabbed me, made me smile. And I had this, like, you know me, Chris. And I, and I had an idea for the whoa, 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 and the, the sort of dancing, like, physically, let's get up. And we just locked in. We went in the studio. Thank God we could still do studio stuff at that time. And, and banged it out. And I had great fun producing Talia as a singer, because she's quite something. And um, the lyrics I love, and we thought, well, look, this makes us feel up. So it's probably going to make everybody else feel up as well. Let's go for this as a launch for the band. King's Daughters are a band. Um, we've got Vicky and Izzy, who are amazing, and a part-time bass player who belongs to another band, but we'll sort, of, we'll sort that out later. Now, you, but you say uh, you, it's funny you say you're a miserable old beggar, because you're so not, but I know why you think you might be. Do you know what I'm I mean? I'm impressive, Chris. No, I am a no, no, I'm, I'm, are you? I'm a, I'm a cup-half-empty person, really, instinctively. I just have to fight it every day. Well, I think you might think you are, but you don't come across that way. It's funny, because, again, I know what you mean about about your air, but you've always got a wry smile on your face. And I, 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 <laughs> I love the way... By the way, I've just read on your notes here, on my cheat sheet, my Brian May cheat sheet, should I not know, not know enough about you, and I didn't know this. I didn't know you were 72. Oh, for God's sake. Are no, that can't be right. No, 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 it's a misprint. I'm about 37, I think. 72? How the heck did you get to 70? I mean, I know how age works. No. You know. No, I'm... I had no idea, Brian. Well, blimmin' egg. No, I'm even more jealous of your hair now. How come you... How come you... Get, have you got any tips on... I have... I. I did this question yesterday. On you know dur- during lockdown, uh, what's looking worse, your car or your hair? And I said to I, I said, look, I wish I had some hair to look to look bad. I've got more car than hair to get dirty nowadays. Can you give me any tips on rejuvenating my blimmin' locks, my tr- my tresses, my trusses? That is very funny. You know, I I don't know why it grows so much. I think it might be the cold showers. I do cold showers. I do hot shower and a cold shower every day after me after me workout because I'm a, I'm a person these days. I do my biking religiously every day and then I do my hot shower, do my cold shower and I think cold showers make your hair grow. Tell it makes it grow all over your body. I, I think you used to have a hairy chest. I think I have now. I'm feeling a bit embarrassed. <laughs> cold showers, mate. That's what, that's what does it. Okay. Uh, I'm unplugging the, the hot uh, permanently. Don't tell the kids uh, the minute I get home. Brian, so how's lockdown for you? You know, it hasn't been easy, and I'm a person who hasn't had it really hard. You know, I, I have a decent house, I have a garden, thank God, I have a roof I can go on. So, you know, I, my heart bleeds for people who are trying to exist with kids in, a, in one room. You know, and, and it broke my heart when they closed the parks. I thought that was a wrong decision. I think they should do something about making sure the lungs of this country are kept open yeah. and maybe partition off people so that some people go on a Wednesday, some people go on a Thursday. You know, there's got to be a way around that. You've got to be able to use those open spaces, especially at a time like this. You can't psychologically 
kill people by confining them to a cage. And it, it's tough, you know. So I'm okay. You know, I, I have my moments and I feel like a caged animal because we just came off this huge tour of the Far East and Australia yeah. just ahead of the wave breaking of the coronavirus. And suddenly to be locked down in one place is tough. And I have had moments of thinking, ah, don't know if I can deal with this. You know, I, I mean, I've been truly, I've been doing micro concerts on Instagram and I plunge straight into that. And I, I try to keep very up but there's moments when I'm actually even on there, I'm honest, and say, look, I'm actually not finding this easy. You know, let's try and find our way through this together. So I think it's good to be honest about how you feel. You it's, it's, very jolly, but... it's very important. It's very important. I think you do the same thing, Chris, don't you? I mean, you, you, you're open about how you are. Yeah, you are absolutely, you, you are, you, I am. And, you know, we come here and we're lucky enough to get, get to come to work every day and we play rock and roll for a living and we're surrounded by very positive people and, you know, there's a lot of fantastic things coming out of lockdown. Who knows what we'll learn that we can well who knows what we'll take into the future that we're learning now hopefully lots oh i'm so big on that you know there's so much apart from the human tragedy there's so much good about this you know the pollution's gone down the air we can breathe you can hear the birds singing animals aren't being killed on the roads you know it's a better world it's a nicer world in so many ways isn't it i pray to god that we don't go back to the same selfish ways we we went on as before. Let's go forward to a better place and and learn the lessons that we're picking up now. Well, in many ways, you know, the longer the lockdown continues, the more chance that's got of happening. Uh, but there's, yeah. there's always different. There's lots of different ways to look at lots of things that are happening at the moment. Well, Brian, it's George talks here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Most people are finding lockdown with their other half hard enough. Now imagine writing a book with them. Along with his wife, Giovanna Fletcher, the second instalment of their Eve of Man trilogy, The Eve Illusion, is out today. So please welcome a McFly that's turned out to be a rather good McAuthor. <laughs> it's Tom Fletcher! Morning, Tom! <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Uh, very well. How are you doing in lockdown? What's going on? We're doing all right. You know, three kids. It's pretty hectic. Three young boys. Yep. So we're, we're, we're coping. We're getting by. Now we're saying, you know, here as a collective, and it's not the same for everybody, but as far as I've checked, it's, it's the same for everybody I know. These, the, the lockdown's flying by a lot faster than we thought it would, and maybe even quicker than a normal week. How's it landing with you? Yeah, the days with the kids are going by really fast, which is bizarre. I didn't expect that to, to happen like that. I'm not sure why, but I'm not complaining at the moment. <laughs> so they're, they're flying by. Right, Tom, uh, the, Eve, uh, the, the Eve Illusion. Now, this is the follow-up book from you and your wife uh, to, yeah. the, to The Eve of Man. Um, mm -hmm. OK, for people who don't know uh, the general gist, uh, what might that be? Well, so the Eve of Man trilogy is set uh, in a world where... So it's set in the future. So 50 years in the future when... Uh, and no girls have been born for 50 years. So the human race is on the edge of extinction because Mother Nature has been denying us mothers. And when it looks like all hope is lost, finally a, a girl is born and she is Eve and she becomes the most famous person in, the history, uh, in history because she is this glimmer of hope uh, and seen as like the savior of the human race. So we pick up her story in book one when she's 15, 16, um, and she leads, she's the most famous person in the world. So she leads this kind of controlled, isolated life. Uh, and book one is her kind of discovering just how controlled her life is and, uh, and wanting to escape from that. And in book two, it's her uh, realizing this power that she has uh, and uh, trying to discover whether she can lead this group of rebels to uh, to fight back against this uh, organisation that's been controlling her her entire life. I mean, it's, so it's like a dystopian, um, uh, you know, kind of sci-fi. There's a love story in it as well. It kind of centres around a love story. She's, you know, a 16-year-old with the feelings of a 16-year-old as well. So there's this kind of internal conflict of her own love versus doing what's right for, you know, to save the human race. So it's it's, it's quite intense. I love it though the concept of a future Eve. I'll be, I'll, I'll fess up. I haven't read your first book, but I'm definitely going to read it. And I think it'll be uh, book number one Monday next week. I'm getting through about three or four at the moment. And uh, now uh, you're, you of course are reading your own stories online every Monday. Uh, this is live. It's on Instagram, live, and it's on YouTube too. So what's going on with you at half past six uh, on Monday evenings? Yeah, yeah. So I basically I write children's picture books as well, and obviously you know there's a lot of kids who are. At home, and a lot of parents who could do with putting their feet up and having a cup of tea for five minutes. So I thought I'd do them a bit of a favour, so parents can have a cup of tea, and I'll read the kids <laughs> a, a little bedtime story at six thirty every Monday night. And it's going very well, isn't it? People are loving it. Yeah, it's great fun. Well, I try and do a little bit of a sing song or a little bit of an activity with it as well. You know, I've got three kids who are six, four, and one, so I know what it's, you know, what it's like to to have 
you know, pretty crazy kids running around. So if they want to sit down in front of YouTube and have a, have a story, you know, I'll read them The Dinosaur That Pooped, one of those books or one of the, my other picture books. And, yeah, it's been really good. The response has been great. And we're getting some lovely comments back about it. So, um, yeah, every Monday night at 6.30. Now, The Dinosaur That Pooped, oh, that's piqued all our interests. Um, how, how bad that, can that situation be, a, dino, a dino, dinosaur pooping its bed? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, he, he poops a lot of stuff. He's pooped Christmas. Um, he pooped a planet. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot. There's another one coming out later this year as well, which is, it. you know it's, it's probably quite painful. <laughs> the dinosaur that pooped Christmas. I absolutely <laughs> love it. All uh, right, now uh, with the greatest respect to our to our current partners, Vassus and mine, uh, and, and Rachel's too, um, we have enough trouble, um, Tom, getting through putting together a shopping list or maybe uh, you know a travel plans, perhaps prospective potential travel plans with our partners. You know, how is it writing a book with your spouse? Awful, terrible, exactly what you think. Who gets the casting vote? Uh, when, when we signed the publishing deal for this book, the publisher said, oh, thank you for sharing your divorce with us. Oh, uh, well, we're, we're on book two now. There's yeah. one book to go and we're still married. It's oh, going well so me. far. Well, what a test. <laughs> <laughs> what a masochistic <laughs> test. Uh, just, I, I'm, I'm presuming Giovanna gets the casting vote in any situation. Oh, of course, Absolutely. Okay, because I know that um, that uh, Ben uh, Elton and Richard Curtis, when they were writing Black Adder together, they had this rule. Okay, and if either of them thought anything, a joke wasn't funny, regardless of how funny the other thought it was, it just didn't get in, and that solved a lot of arguments. Do you have a template, a format uh, of of getting through each book together? Um, not really. I mean, there's a lot of creative debates. Interestingly, because I've I've been in a band for 17 years, so I'm kind of used to my bandmates telling me if something's rubbish right. and, you know, not taking it personally. But it's a whole new kind of, you know, after being married for... Well, we've been together since we were 15, really. Yep. Suddenly creating, creating something together and creating a book together is a brand new experience for us. And it's, um, yeah, it's been interesting. You know, it's been, what's the really nice thing about it is because we're both authors, we're both writing all the time. Yep. Having a joint project actually means we get to spend more time with each other. So... It's um, that's the kind of the, the silver lining to all the stress and the creative debates is that actually at least we're at least we're talking to each other. Tom, I love it. And is there any truth in the uh, in the rumor that your your next album is going to be called What She Said? No. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Definitely. All right. Uh, the Evolution is out today, and it's follow up. It's trilogy. Uh, it's the Eve of Man trilogy. Uh, the Evolution. Please welcome uh, McFly. No, let's say goodbye to uh, Tom from McFly. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Take care. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Up next, we're speaking to Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Matt Hancock. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, dealing with quite a thing here, but uh, I'm okay. I know you are, and uh, I've seen you with your game face on on Sky News. No need for that here. Um, <laughs> right, so we don't want to score points. Uh, we want to make points. We want to draw points out of you. Matt, first of all, um, uh, story behind the story here. How quickly does this story, the development of COVID-19 and everything that goes with it, move from your point of view? For example... In, yeah. other, in other words, so uh, since the Downing Street Daily Briefing, which you took uh, last night at eight at five o'clock, what have yeah. you learnt since then overnight about it, and what decisions have you had to make since all the things we already know about that, that you talked about yesterday in Downing Street? Oh, it's unbelievable how fast it moves. So, uh, the I get up at six o'clock. The first thing I do uh, is have a look at the overnight statistics. So overnight, I find out. Um, how many tests were done the day before, how many cases, uh, sadly also how many people have died. So that's a pretty, um, uh, you know, hard thing to do first thing in the morning. Um, I make, I tend to make the decisions on, you know, the, the sort of, the important running of the thing um, uh, at night. And I have this red box that I'm sitting next to. It's full of um, decisions that I have to make, for instance, you know, like yesterday, we announced the rollout of testing to care homes. That took uh, about that took about three or four days to work that policy through to know exactly how we're going to implement it. Um, and um, uh, so, if things are moving all the time, um, and one of the good things about this is that government is normally pretty slow at making decisions. But 
we've just had to we've just made decisions much 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 more quickly than you normally do because you know it's a race against time with this virus I was Natasha and I my wife so because we received a call uh, sort of late e- early evening um, last night that you were going to be on the show you are available and so we, so we started to do a little bit of research together a little bit of a uh-huh. couple's research and we were looking at uh, the contagion map of the world and we, yeah. we you can't help noticing when you look at it it's a blue map if people want to go and look at it online it's a, it's a, it's a blue map and the darker the blue uh, the more density uh, more density the contagion and the infection yeah. rate and the emissions rate and unfortunately the fatality rate uh, and the lighter the less so and you can't help noticing that below the equator and around the equator and below the equator south of the equator it is yeah. pale, it is very pale blue and it, you know obviously those con- countries are a lot hotter there was talk about this uh, this virus uh, finding it harder to survive maybe uh, when it warmed up here is that the case do you think yeah well this is a really really important question uh, and uh, as the as the temperature heats up um, many uh, viruses like this are seasonal, so they pass much more easily in cold weather than in hot weather. Uh, and it is one of the un- great unknowns of this virus, uh, whether it's seasonal. And uh, in fact, I was talking to the chief medical officer about this only yesterday. Uh, he's the expert in it rather than me. Um, and um, there are some signs that it passes uh, on to people less when the weather warms up and that would obviously be uh, enormously helpful as we go into summer but it does bring another problem which is you know like the normal like the normal flu which passes much more easily in winter and we have the winter flu season you know if 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 it if it tailed off because of the weather that would be great we'd have some time to develop the treatments and to develop the, the technology i was talking about from um similar to what they're doing in south korea and uh, also to get closer to a vaccine. Um, but we'd also have to be cautious about what happens in, uh, you know, when we get through the summer into, yeah, yeah. into autumn. So, it, so I, I'm not ruling that out. Mm-hmm. We've got to follow the science on it. And the scientists say that there is a chance that this is seasonal. OK, so um, so there's talk about the fact that uh, the social distancing is working. We're all doing fantastically well, uh, better than many people expected us to do. We're adhering to the guidelines. You know, 60-odd million people, almost everybody doing what they were asked to do. How, how much do we know that the potential flattening of the curve, which we might be seeing now, is a, a direct result of social distancing as opposed to the natural life of the virus? Uh, that may, you know, and that may have occurred anyway. Oh, no, no, no. It definitely is down to the social distancing. There's no doubt about that, because uh, we've seen what happens with this virus when there isn't social distancing. uh, And we've seen the exponential growth of it. You know, the curve curve just gets steeper and steeper and steeper. Uh, We've seen that in, in all the major countries in the world that have had a serious outbreak. Um, and there's absolutely no doubt. Um, remember, three weeks ago when we put in the most, you know, the social distancing in the really big way, um, we said to them, we said to the scientists, you know, how long will it be until we know whether this has worked? And they said in three weeks we should know whether we've stopped the exponential rise and we've got a flattening. And that is what we've seen. Um, now, it, we are reaching a peak but the numbers are still far too high. There were 761 people died yesterday yep. of coronavirus, and uh, that number is too high. So, uh, uh, you know, we're not there yet, but what people should know is that their efforts, they're following the rules, it is definitely starting to work. Okay. And, uh, and, and that really matters. And, that, and, and so the message to stay at home, to, uh, uh, to stay at home because that protects the NHS, and saves lives. That message is really important okay. and it is working. Okay, uh, well over time. Secretary of State for Health there, Matt Hancock. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
We've heard from three guests already, but there's still more to come. Pruley tells us all about tracing her adopted daughter's biological roots in the brand new Channel 4 documentary, Journey With My Daughter. Angela Scanlon discusses the new series of her renovation transformation programme, Your Home Made Perfect, on BBC Two. Hannah Ingram Moore, daughter of war veteran Tom Moore, chats about him raising millions and 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 millions of pounds for the NHS before his 100th birthday. John Chester talks about his inspirational documentary, The Biggest Little Farm. And Sky News host Sarah Jamie shares stories from her brand new weekly good news podcast in this together all that and more on the way Bassos, take it away. Since the 70s this bastion of baking has been bestowing her brilliance on a beholden Britain she's also been bringing up a Cambodian baby and tomorrow on Channel 4 mum and adopted daughter return to Cambodia in journey with my daughter please welcome fresh from letting her husband cut her hair the practically perfect Pruley? No way. Good morning, Prue. Hi, Rafa. So how's the barnet? <laughs> the barnet's really good. I mean, I hate to say this because I have a very expensive um, hairdresser in London and another very expensive one um, in the country. And I think he's done just as good a job, so maybe I'll never go back to them. Wow. You're a two hairdresser gal, now a three hairdresser gal. <laughs> Very impressive. So Vassal says there in his intro, um, she's bringing, she's been bringing up a, a Cambodian baby. The baby's now forty-five, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so she's more than a baby, right? She is, she um, is. Now we watched your show last night, Prue, myself, uh, my eleven-year-old uh, little boy Noah, and my wife, and we were all in tears, but nowhere near as much as you were. And now uh, you, I... you, you are the Iron Lady of, of the catering world. You've never shed a tear knowingly in public, well, ever, ever. I would imagine. And you, you but you cried constantly. Constantly during the making of oh, this no, film. No, 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 please. Yes, you did. From no, 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 no. no. Yeah. I mean, I cried a lot more off screen than on. Did you? And I have to tell you that I don't like crying on screen. I mean, I know that, you know, um, filmmakers quite like it. It's good telly. Persons, yes. It's supposed to be good telly. But I tell you what, you look really, really ugly when you cry. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. And, and I'm so vain, I don't care for being crying on the screen. Right, so how much shall we tell people? I want everyone to watch this show. It's on tomorrow. It's 9pm Channel 4. How, how much do you want to tell them now? For me, it was an amazing um, experience. We went to Cambodia, the pair of us, and I was honestly... I was looking forward to it. I thought, oh, great, I'll have to lead it to myself for two weeks. You know, in a family, you never get your daughter one-to-one do you they're always the children or husband or something around so i was i was just looking forward to a cambodian holiday with my daughter i'd never particularly cared for cambodia because if i thought about it at all it was the place that nearly killed my daughter you know she escaped as a baby and um because the khmer rouge killed a quarter of the population so it wasn't my um dream destination but I have to say, and Lida felt that I had never really understood why she was so interested in Cambodia and why she felt half Cambodian. And of course, I sort of paid lip service to you. Well, of course you do, darling. You look, you look like you look Cambodian. You were born in Cambodia. It's a tragedy. Your parents are no longer around. If they aren't, you know, whatever. We didn't know, knew nothing about them pretty well. And I was very casual about it. And that worried her. She, wanted, she took it really seriously. She felt, she felt as almost all survivors feel a kind of guilt that she had been so lucky and ended up in a happy family Mm. and living in Cotswolds and so on. So um, she wanted me to try to understand. And so, of course, as I'll do anything for Lida, or indeed for my son as well, I think all mums will, um, I said, okay, let's go. And I have to say, it changed my mind completely about Mm. Cambodia. It's an amazing country. The people are fantastic. They're very Buddhist, very philosophical. Yeah. I mean, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. And it's funny, isn't it? But I'm not going to tell you what, ha- what happened. No, let's it's, not. It's let's not. very it's, exciting. It, 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 is, it's, it was gripping. Um, we were guessing what might happen at various stages in the programme, just before the end of part three, start of part four, and then what happened in the end. Um, we, we can say this. We can say you met um, one of the pilots who, who were... One of the mm. heroes um, who were responsible for flying babies out just before this genocide took place. They literally flew as many babies out of uh, Phnom Penh as they could, whilst their mothers gave them up just so they could survive. I know, it's the most tragic story. And he was, he's a wonderful guy called Jimmy Jack. Yeah. And he actually, when he had to fly 50 babies out, he was 
so um, worried about them being in the plane because it was just him and 50 babies. Yeah. And so, and in the middle of a, you know, the Civil War. And so he got from the market 50 baskets and he put each child into oh, a little basket, strapped them down to the bottom of a transport plane to the floor and um, off he went. And ha- interestingly, he has long-term guilt about the fact that he took those babies to America yeah. or to the West um, when he could have taken them to perhaps um, Thailand or somewhere in the East. Yeah. And he feels that he wrenched them away from their cultural roots. And so a lot of the film is about this question of cultural roots. How much does it matter? Leaders always thought, when she first went to, to Cambodia, she thought... She felt very, she wanted to see her Cambodian side. And when she got there, because she was a little English girl brought up by an English family, didn't speak the language, she came back thinking, actually, I know I'm English. But she also has, over the last 20 years, this, the Cambodianness of her has increased. You know, Lida never cooks Western food. She always cooks Cambodian food, and it's wonderful, delicious. Now, I didn't teach her that. She has taught me how to cook Cambodian. It's in her, isn't it? It's in her, and it wants to come out. It's in her. It's in her. It's great. It's a a lovely film. Lovely film. Uh, Oh, good. I'm glad you loved it. Well, I'm a bit nervous about watching it because of all crying. But um, well, you talk about having a gin and tonic on the film, but you can't because it's nine o'clock in the morning. But you can have one tomorrow because it'll be nine o'clock at night. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I might have had a. I might have had a few before. I was going to say you might need off. a couple to warm up because, I mean, goodness knows what it's like for you, but it was emotional enough for us watching it. Uh, how's lockdown in the Leith household, Prue? Well, do you know, I feel rather guilty about this because I'm having a lovely time. I mean, I have, you know, I live in the middle of the country. Um, I haven't seen so much of my husband ever. I'm, I'm cooking three meals a day. I love cooking. So, I mean, really, lockdown is perfect for me. All right, Leith on lockdown. I'm just sorry I don't see my grandchildren, that's all. All right, well, you will. You absolutely will. And you're not seeing them for... There can't be a better reason for you not to see the people you love. Exactly, exactly. Right, Prue, uh, Prue Leith, Journey with My Daughter, airs tomorrow on Channel 4. We've seen it. It is a five out of five. A five out of five TV programme. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Lockdown's meant you've gone into home improvement craziness. Then our next guest is just for you. She's back hosting BBC Two's renovation show, Your Home Made Perfect, and the second series of the Perfectly Positive podcast, Thanks a Million. So let's all go wild for the radiant redhead that is Angela Scanlon. Good morning, Scanlon. Oh, lovely. Perfectly Positive podcast. I'm going to change the tagline. Thanks for that. That day. So if you're, we're very well. How are you doing? How's lockdown for you? Do you know what? It's grand. I mean, it's it, like everybody. It, it comes in waves. Sometimes I think, geez, this is actually lovely to have a bit of a break from reality and life and busyness. And then other times I just cry and don't want to get out of my bed. So yeah, swings and roundabouts really. Like I'm slightly jealous of people who are watching Netflix. Um, or Sky, 24-7, um, but also very thankful for my two-year-old and the distraction <laughs> that she brings. The Mighty Scan, Angela Scanlon, if your TV show, uh, your Homemade Perfect Series 2, which continues tonight at BBC on BBC Two at 8pm, yeah. had a fight against um, your podcast, Episode 2, Series 2, of Angela's Thanks a Million podcast, uh, which would win, your podcast or your TV show? Oh, Jesus. You know, so part of the TV show was filmed 12 weeks after I gave birth, so I still have a bit of PTSD vibe <laughs> when I look at it. So there's, there's bits of it that I really can't watch, and oh, I'm like, no. what the hell was I doing? I'm very high-pitched. I'm high as a kite. Um, on what? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, and then the, on the very flip side of that, the podcast, so this episode is Marion Keys. It was done in my living room on lockdown so very different vibe they're they're polar opposites but i mean i guess maybe because people are sitting at home home shows feel like the thing because they're kind of go oh my god like i've noticed in our kitchen that it's really dark the kitchen is really dark for the first time because usually you're in and out of it but when you're sitting there for hours on end you realize things that don't work and oh little nooks where light comes in and you think oh that'd be quite a nice place for a chair or maybe we'll turn the couch towards the window 
to see the tree rather than the fire for the, well, yeah. It's great, so, isn't it? <laughs> when you've got so, so, so much time to make these decisions and they become really important. You think, no, but that is actually a very important decision. It's really important if you're sitting in it for 15 hours a day. No, yeah. I know, I know. So, no, but also I do think, you know, those design decisions and that's what the show has really taught me is that actually, you know, series one, I was kind of like, oh, it's all, it's quite, you know, frivolous and it's a bit first world, isn't it? You know, when you're thinking of um, architects coming in and doing up your house but actually the impact that it has on people's lives on the way they interact with each other with their families and on you know like last week we had um, Julian and, and Sylvia and the change in them so many people were on to me on social media because the change in them Julian grew his hair long he turned into a total boho, which he was underneath, but his house just didn't represent that. And suddenly he had the house of his dreams and they were able to kind of emerge as the couple that they've always wanted to be. And that's kind of magical to be a part of. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. There was an article at the weekend. I mean, I'm all over this. I love all this stuff anyhow. Yeah. Uh, but there was an article over the weekend about working from home and the best colours of, of, you know, to surround yourself with to work from home. Are open spaces bigger or better? Um, you might think that an open space with a high ceiling is better for creativity but it gives you a chance to sort of escape it gives you a lack of accountability whereas if you go to a a sort of study set in the eaves of a house that might be more creative because it helps you focus and the the reason that um courtrooms were uh, are big and lofty as are cathedrals was to intimidate the people that, that are in them to say that no there's a higher power at, at, uh, at present here and you are you are next to nothing and that's why yeah. they that's why they were big so no it's also important and you are right you know when you see somebody you know if if you're if you're feeling a bit down if you're feeling a bit fed up what can you do to change your change your mood change your mind you can put on some music you can have a show you can literally wash the mood off you can go for a walk you can get yeah. out there into nature or you can have a look at your house thinking maybe it's the Maybe it's these blimmin' walls. Maybe they need a fresh lick of paint. Maybe we need to move the furniture around. Maybe there's yeah. too much furniture. You know, don't don't use your de- your desk is not a storage place. It's not. A, it's, <laughs> it, you know, it's not. It's not a storage Please warehouse. That's to my husband. Yeah, but it's a work surface, and it's, it's yeah. got to be there for you to be to work on. You you know, you don't want to put stuff on your table that stays there forever. Things like that. So your show is right on the money. Yeah, it is. It is, and and I think what it does as well is, and I mean, obviously everything's stopped right now in terms of actual work going on but what it has done is give people confidence to, to have these conversations I've always thought about it it's like you know priests and doctors back in the day maybe this is a very Irish thing but you go in and you kind of you know slightly bow your head and you take whatever they give to you <laughs> so it's like actually in a way architects enter the room and there's yeah. this kind of presence and you're supposed to take what you're given and I think what we've shown is that actually it's your house, it's your hard-earned money and you get to have whatever you want. You know, within reason obviously it needs to be workable but it is your home and how you live is absolutely your choice and so I think that's, um, it's quite empowering for people to go, okay, if I want to have my living room on the second floor, I can do that. If I want to have, you know, a bath in the kitchen, I can also do that. So, yeah, it's just kind of giving people freedom and confidence to to do whatever the hell they want to do because they're going to be in it. The first Nobody place, the first place in London I ever owned, which was in like 1992, it was a studio flat in Belsize Park. Really, really small, but it was, it was his own little thing. It was detached. It was cheaper than any flats at the time, but it was a studio house actually, and it was one room with a gallery bedroom, and the bath was in the living room, and it was in the kitchen, and it was next to the table because there was only the one room. And I sat in there yeah. and I watched people making dinner. I, I made people dinner while they were s- sitting in there. I watched the telly. I used to watch Sky Sports on Sunday afternoons from there I thought of all my ideas in there I could see the garden from there and then I stepped up a ladder and I went to bed and I could literally have never been any happier than that that sounds perfect absolutely perfect and I mean I do think there's something very luxurious about a bath and it kind of reminds me of a hotel you know a bath in a living room or a bath in a bedroom it's so opulent so Um, I can lash a bath wherever you want (laughs) Um, listen we love you to death well done your homemade perfect uh, series 2 continues tonight on BBC 2 at 8pm before you go do you have a lockdown gag for us oh a lockdown gag do you know what I can't get over (laughs) go on a 10 foot wall yay boo 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper David, it's over to you. Her dad, Captain Tom Moore, has captured the hearts of the nation, raising a truly astonishing amount of money for NHS charities, and we've been with him every step of the way. They didn't ask for it, but we just keep giving more and more. So please welcome <laughs> Hannah Ingram Moore. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Good morning. you. How Thank are you? you? Very well. How are you? How's your dad? How's things? Uh, mission yes, Control. Well, actually, I, have, I have some great news for you. He is here with me. <gasps> no, we can speak to Captain Tom. This yes, is amazing. Can. All right, let's talk to the, okay, the man. Yeah, himself. go ahead. So he won't. He can't hear terribly well. So you, you tell me what you'd like to ask him, and I will uh, tell him. Okay, um, Captain Tom, uh, we would like to ask you: um, Are you going to walk all the way into your hundredth thir- uh, birthday celebrations on Thursday, the thirtieth of April? And if so, how many laps do you estimate that might be? How are you feeling? Yes, 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 I, I, I could hear that. Okay. Yes, uh, was after my birthday. I should continue walking whilst people like you and all the good people are contributing to the National Health Service. Whilst you're all doing that, I'll keep on walking because I think it's been so important for me to speak to you. I've I've listened to you for so long and never been able able to answer back and say a word. (laughs) I think this is absolutely amazing. And thank you for ringing because... You are such an important person to us, all of us. Oh well, uh, Tom, um, I'll, I'll take I'll take that. Um, uh, <laughs> far, far too overstated, but I'll take it. Uh, Tom, can you answer me this question? How good did that champagne taste yesterday? <laughs> well, I didn't have time to drink a lot of it, but it was certainly been enjoyable, and no doubt I shall get the chance to have another one or two sips before time runs out. And, Tom, what do you think of this petition uh, for your knighthood? I mean, I heard yesterday saying, OK, Captain Sir Tom Moore, it's got a ring to it. <laughs> I've never never imagined anything like that. <laughs> I must say, Sir Thomas Moore sounds very well, but I don't think there's the slightest chance that that will ever happen. But it, it, it's very kind for people to think of it, but it won't happen. I think it definitely will happen. Uh, Tom, I'm not going to argue with you, because you are the man. Absolutely, you are the man. So, um, be, be, the night before you decided to walk around your garden, uh, what what were you thinking? What were you watching? What were you feeling? So, I, I'll pick that up, Chris, because there wasn't really a night before. Um, we were just hanging out in our garden on that lovely, sunny Sunday at the beginning of April. Yeah. And um, my father, having broken his hip, has been very mindful that he has to keep on moving um, to, to, keep, to keep really from ending up sitting all day. So often is outside walking with the walker we touched on yesterday. Yeah. And um, we were just sitting there having a barbecue and we said for fun, I tell you what, we'll, we'll our, the company, we'll, because the, our company is next to our house, and we said, look, make sure it's all pick up one pound for every lap that you walk before your 100th birthday. And he said, OK, well, I'll walk 100 lengths before my 100. And we went, great. And it was that. It was that, nothing more. And then the next day we set up the Just Giving page and said, well, let's go a bit crazy and give ourselves a target of £1,000. Because £1,000 is life-changing, right? I mean, you can do a lot with it. So we thought that would be terrific. Um, we sent out a little press release because we thought everyone should share our story. But never, never in a million years did we think 10 days later we'd be talking about nearly 18 million pounds. Okay, well, and rising. It's now Britain's favourite spectator sport. It's the only sport you can watch at the moment. It's watching your title <laughs> uh, refresh and uh, the site crash. It crashes about every 22 minutes, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, now you, you've been slacking a bit because uh, since we talked to you yesterday, you've only raised for another four and a half million. What's wrong with you, for heaven's sake? So he, he thinks we're slacking a bit because we've only raised four and a half million pounds since yesterday <laughs> and not up to our usual standards. No, of course you are, of course you are. <laughs> now, you, you changed uh, the £1,000 target on the Just Giving page to £500,000 when you knew it was going gangbusters. Now, it's remained at £500,000. Are you tempted to, say, change it to £25 million now? No. I think we started off at 1000 and then we changed it to 5000 when we thought we were in the giddy heights of reaching 5000, yep. yep. not million. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we thought, well, we, we suddenly gathered momentum. We changed it to 100000 and thought we were really crazy. Then we hit 250 and thought, well, we should reflect it in the target. And you know the rest, but we got to half a million. And my feeling and the family agrees that this story became much bigger than us. 
And we started it. We shared what we knew was a gem of a, of a man and a story with the, the great British public. And we really believe this is now the nation's story. And it's up to Britain to decide how big it gets. And for as long as Tom will keep walking and you will all keep supporting, then the family will keep doing their bit behind the scenes. Can I ask you, are you dead one more question? Is that OK, yes, Hannah? Yes, of course, yeah. OK. Yeah. So, Tom, um, what is this like? How does this compare to, to the Second World War? You know, when much of Britain, much of the world, much of your, Europe especially, w was in a, you know, a similar kind of lockdown, is it the same kind of spirit that you're sensing? Yes, it's, it's, it's certainly the same uh, sort of spirit, uh, but it's rather different. But the National Health, uh, the, the doctors and nurses and all the backup people, they're the front line. Yeah. And we all behind, we're the suppliers, we're all the other you know, national services, the army or army suppliers who are supplying all the, the goods and all the equipment and all the other things that they need. That's what it's like. But when you think that the doctors and the nurses, they're the front line and they're the people who getting into danger every day uh, without without comp no complaint they carry on cheerfully and doing a marvelous job uh, day after day night after night and they i think we've got to say thank you to them because they are really putting themselves in danger every day okay and this coming from one who knows what's your plan for today tom how many laps have you got in mind for today i'm, I'm going to pick that up because he actually doesn't know um shall i just quickly very quickly read you his schedule yeah go on um, we, go. <laughs> we, we have um three other um radio stations we are then live on sky news australia uh -huh. we're on national news we go to italian tv we're yep. back on australian tv argentina Al Jazeera and CNN Live. So he, I don't think he's walking today, Chris. Okay, well, he's allowed, he's allowed, he's allowed a rest day. Um, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Tom. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dabba Dave, it's over to you. In these testing times, it's more important than ever to look at news that makes you smile. And what better way to do that than with a brand new Sky News podcast? In This Together launches today and focuses on the positive. Plus, it features our very own Super Sam Pink. Please welcome Vassos' temporary neighbour, it's Sarah Jane Mee. Good morning, Sarah. <laughs> oh, good morning, Chris. Good morning, team. How are we all? We're very well. So what have you and Super Sam been up to, pray tell? Um, well, you know, I'm staying at home to save lives like everybody else. I'm pregnant, Chris, six months pregnant, I so know. I can't go into the studio to work as normal. So thank you very much. So everybody's getting creative from their sofa, basically. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, what can I do? And what's kept me going is all the good news that is coming out of such a bad time. You know, mm. the ordinary people doing extraordinary things, the inspirational tales. And I just thought, you know what? This good news is out there. I know you do it every morning. I listen and it really cheers me up. Sky News is featuring it. But it deserves its own platform. So I thought, you know, podcasts, listeners to the Sky News podcast are up 350%. People really want radio. <laughs> they want podcasts. So I was like, let's do a podcast so we can celebrate all this good news. And it's not just the big name. Brian May does feature, of course. You don't get a bigger name in music than that. Um, but also the ordinary people that are just doing amazing, brilliant things in their neighbourhoods. So we're celebrating the whole spectrum. Right, so we're looking at Andrea uh, uh, Bocelli performing to an empty cathedral in Milan on your podcast. You're talking about Seth Charles. Now, this is the little 12-year-old boy. Remind us what he did. Oh, this is a 12-year-old boy. He's, um, uh, well, he, he wants to be a boxer when he grows up, and he was trying to raise money for his um, trip to the United States to go on boxing camp, and he was going to um, climb Scaffold Pike. But obviously, because of the lockdown, he couldn't do that. And then he thought, you know what? I'm just going to climb the equivalent on my stairs at home during lockdown. And he just kept going. And, you know, I think Scaffold Pike is 928 metres. Um, Mount Everest is a lot more than that. And he actually climbed the equivalent of Mount Everest on his stairs in 24 hours to raise money for his camp. So I just think it's people like that getting inventive at home. Um, you know, so we're talking about him. We're also talking about Run for Heroes. Have you done the 5K Challenge yet? I haven't done that. Sorry, I'm not aware of the 5K Challenge. I do apologise. Uh, please enlighten me. This is Run for Heroes. So this is a girl called Olivia up in Edinburgh who, as part of her daily uh, outing, because you obviously can go out for an hour a day, she runs 5K. And while she was running, she thought, wouldn't it be great if my friends did this and we all dominate... Um, 
we all um, donated five pounds to the NHS and then we nominate five others. And it's just taken off and everyone's doing it. And I was getting quite upset that I hadn't been nominated. You know, I know I'm pregnant, I can't run, but I reckon I could walk 5K in an hour if I got a, a bit of speed up. So, um, yeah, so we're talking about that. And it's all those kind of stories we want to celebrate. And we really want to get listeners to the podcast, listeners to Virgin Radio and viewers of Sky News to get in touch with their good news. Because as I said, it's not just about the big names. We want to know what's going on in, you know, your neighbourhood. Spider-Man from Stockport, again, another man out on his run, (laughs) thinking, decided to dress up as Spider-Man and wave to all the children um, at their living room windows on his morning run. And again, it's just those little things, you know, all these simple ideas are just, you know, brilliant. Yeah, and Spider-Man's got to keep it somehow, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Not swinging Although, around. I, I, did, I did speak to him, and he did tell me that apparently there's a Batman in the area uh, as well that is his rival who's going around and, and uh, cheering up the kids. And somebody got in touch to say their postman is dressing up as Elsa from Frozen. So there's a lot of superheroes and a lot of fun up and down the country going on right now. Well, well done, uh, Sarah. I, I can see you getting stir-crazy from a broadcasting point of view at home, and uh, this is fantastic. You're dipping your toe. Uh, or going in the, diving in the deep end into the po- world of podcasting. Sarah Jane, me, in this together, episode one, available today from wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, stay in touch, Sarah Jane. You can come on the show whenever you like. You know that. Oh, thanks, Chris. Uh, good to speak to you all. Take care. And all oh, right. can I just say a big thank you uh, to Virgin Radio. You've been the soundtrack to my lockdown. Not just great <laughs> tunes, but all the great news and positive vibes as well from you to Amy Vose, Sam Pinkett, Steve Jenny. Thank you so much. Like I said, soundtrack to my lockdown. You've really lifted my spirits. By the way, um, you know, if there's a spare seat, you know, behind a Virgin Radio microphone, we could do a lot worse than Sarah Jane one day. <laughs> now, now she's oh, cutting so her teeth in the world of podcasting. <laughs> all right, Sarah Jane, please stay in touch. Yeah, will do. Take care, guys. Bye. Ta-da, bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave is back, back, back. So, Dave, welcome back and it's over to you. Bringing Apricot Lane Farm to life was dramatic, testing and stressful. And thankfully for us, our next guest filmed a lot. The remarkable film The Biggest Little Farm is available in Sky Store right now. So please welcome a man who had a dream and made it come true. It's the charming farmer himself, John Chester. Nice to have you back, Dave. Yes, yeah, really oh. nice to have you back, Dave. <laughs> Good morning, John. <laughs> Hello, good morning. Hello. Thank you so much for staying up so late. It's quarter to 11 where you are now, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, something like that. It's it's late. Quarter to one, sorry. It's it is, late, it is but, just about yeah, the morning but, there too as well. Uh, so, John, yeah. for, for people who haven't seen your amazing film uh, about realising your dream, going for it and getting it, by, but my, 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 what a journey it's turned out to be and you're, you're still ongoing. So, first of all, um, can you just tell people how it came about, how you, how you sort of um, transition from a two-bedroom condo to, to your own idyllic farm? Well, um, I'm married for one, so she wanted to do that, so that's what we did. And I didn't have a choice. Um, you know, we, we, we had talked about farming for a long time, and um, we'd always thought about this idea of taking a, a farm and turning an ecosystem back on and trying to sort of have a farm work within an alive ecosystem. And we, you know, we got the, we finally got the opportunity in like 2011. So you found some uh, f- funding and uh, you found a, a plot of land, a parcel of land. And then you yes. came across this guy called Alan, who, who is this sort of um, natural farming guru. Where did you find Alan? What was his history? Well, he had been actually a, a, a consultant to vineyards all over the world, basically, you know, consulting in regenerative agriculture and biodynamics. And uh, he showed up on our farm the first day wearing sandals and, and all <laughs> linen and uh, uh, talking really what we thought was kind of crazy stuff. But over the course of you know eight years, which the film sort of documents, you watch this entire ecosystem come back to life um, and all the different animals and the, the, the purpose and roles that they play. OK, and the reason you could afford the land in the first place is because it was like concrete. You wouldn't think anything would ever grow there again or maybe it ever grown there in the first place. But so, so Alan's ethos was keep going, keep going, keep going, and nature will come and nature will confront you, but you have to keep going. And in the end, if she if she believes that you believe in her, she will meet you halfway and, and you know, trust me, one day the rainbow will appear. Well, really, yeah, and it's all about building biodiversity. It works the same as the gut microbiome. It works based on a very diverse system of microorganisms. And that was the goal from one, build as much biodiversity as possible to create the immunology, the immune system of a farm. And that is counter to how we farm today, and especially in the last 80 years. We've, we've, 
we've taken ourselves away from a collaboration with ecosystem. And this method is really just more finding a, a comfortable level of disharmony with, with, with the environment, with nature. So the biggest bumps in the road, am I guessing from the film, which I love, by the way, am I guessing the snails uh, on the fruit trees, uh, the predators of uh, the, the, that, you know, the sort of locust-like bird oh, sure, uh, swarms, right. and also yeah. maybe the coyotes? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's so many different pests and disease pressures that we face over the eight years, but those are some of the highlights. But, you know, it's, for us, it was all about bringing back nature and then watching it sort of find its own equilibrium. And it sounds crazy, and I actually thought it was. I wasn't a big believer in the beginning. Beginning. And that's why I made the film, because by year five, I was seeing so many things return with intentionality yeah, yeah. that I was like, who's no one's going to ever believe this, you know? And so I knew it was really important to tell this story. And, you know, we finished, it took us eight years to make the film. I know. And um, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And it needed those eight years, you know, because even, you know, after three or four years, still there were huge doubts to whether this was ever going to c- come to fruition. Yeah, no, there was tremendous doubts. I mean, if it wasn't for our couples therapist that we found in year three, we probably wouldn't have made it. <laughs> I've learned more about my relationship with my wife than I have about farming in eight years. But I, I got to tell you, um, it's a beautiful thing because, I mean, it really did try to break us apart. Um, you know, so there are no heroes in this story, just victims. Well, Alan's pretty much the hero, isn't he? He's pretty much there. And nature itself. And you, you can't take anything away from, from you know, you find out, you found out a lot about your relationship, but I'm, I'm sure you found out more about yourself, most about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I feel there's a, there's, a, there's a comfortable awareness for a deeper level of understanding about the impermanence of life. Yeah. Along the way, nature gave you a few hints that you were doing the right thing. Like, what, t- tell, tell everybody about when the storms came in and about how all the other land around you was washed away, but yours wasn't. Yeah, because, I mean, the principle of what we do is about building soil health. So we were growing cover crops, you know, and our neighbors were kind of making fun of that. But we were able to sequester, you know, over 140 million gallons of that rainwater because it didn't take away our soil. It, it went right into the ground and whatever plants didn't use it, that went back into the aquifer for us to use later. You know, the, the aquifer yeah. is, a, you know, essentially a, a deep well beneath the ground. And so, you know, we sequester more water than any farm probably in Southern California with our cover crops. Okay, now, did you ever get to pay your investors back? We're working on it. I mean, every year is better and better. Uh, we've done some crazy things. I can tell oh you a few God. things not to do. Um, but, yeah, there's, you know, we're working on it. And this year has actually been a really good year up until uh, COVID-19 yeah, or whatever yeah. we're calling this thing now. But we'll come uh, out yeah. the other side. Now, initially, I understand you expected to employ three people. How many do you currently employ? So we have 20 agricultural workers, but because of all the direct-to-consumer stuff that we do, we employ probably about 60 people now. Right. So that, um, that farmers first, markets and delivery right. people. So that first esti- yeah. estimation was slightly under the three people. Yes. Yeah. I, I told our investors <laughs> I need a solid three, and I, I winked at my wife and I said, I said oh, I overestimated by at least one or two. Okay, well, we've recommended this film for yeah. the last week. I don't know if you've heard us. Uh, no, the fact we're banging on it. But no, we yeah. love it. We love it. Anything you'd like to say before you go? Any message for the world uh, in general? I would say that, you know, what I feel from this experience is the most powerful force of nature are human beings who become conscious of the consequences of how we live on the earth. And we've watched it right here in our eight years. And it's incredible what we have the ability as humans to do to repair the damages we've done. And it's it's so inspiring to me. I fear a lot less about our planet based on what I've seen here. So I'm just excited to share that message. All right, John, once again, I will take that sentiment. Absolutely. Especially uh, nowadays, which we're all going through. And thank you so much for staying up in California. It is now 10 to 1 in the morning there he's a farm he's got to be up in about thank a minute <laughs> all right thank you john right. <laughs> uh, john and molly chester thank the you. biggest little farm available now to buy or rent on sky store it's it's a great film it's a great family watch for you and the kids the kids will love it you'll love it you'll all be inspired by it the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio thank you so much for listening to this the podcast of the virgin radio breakfast show don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 